Welcome to the Blackout Podcast, where I get to talk to amazing people that do amazing things. And today I have Terry Lynn Kersey. Yeah. So I've been trying to... Actually, we're supposed to do this months and months ago, but then life happened. It does happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, ex- I'm glad that we did finally get it together. And uh, now we're So here. let's go way back, right? I mean, I know you do a lot of things producing, <laughs> but how did it all start for you? Okay. Um, so I'm originally from Newfoundland. I'm from St. John's. And so that's the one with the S. Yes. St. John's, uh, not St. John. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very protective about that. Um, and I, like, I grew up there, high school, all that. And then after high school, well, actually, when I was in high school, there was a media program that I really loved doing. Um, but school wasn't exactly my strong point. So in my final year... Yeah, you both. I don't like school. Yeah. <laughs> and it was a time when we didn't, you know, now if you are more um, centered towards the arts, they'll find a way to help nurture whatever your your passion or your interests are. But in that time, in, you know, the late 90s, you had to, you know, it was a government curriculum. You had to get all these courses, which they probably still do. I'm not sure. But I... Um, I really love school for socializing. My mother loves to tell people that. And I wasn't doing well in math. So I had to take two math classes in my final year of high school. Mm. So I wasn't able to take the media co-op program. And I was like devastated. Anyway, and then there was no real... So I knew that's what I wanted to do. All that to say, I knew that was what I wanted to do, was work in TV, video, that that industry and um there was no when i graduated high school there was no program in newfoundland to do that i think they do have one now at the college of the north atlantic but there was nothing there so i didn't explore moving outside of newfoundland or going to college or university anywhere else so anyway i I worked in retail um like kind of worked up a ladder there at a retail store and in 2008 i was like okay this is it. I am not happy working here. And if I don't go for what I want to do and what I've always known I wanted to do, mm-hmm. I'm always going to regret it. Mm-hmm. So I had applied for this school in Halifax and in 2008 and I got accepted. And I had one of my very best friends, Melissa Han, was moving to Halifax as well to go to Dalhousie. So we were like, this is great. We're going to move together. We'll drive my car. We'll get an apartment. This is going to be awesome. And then two weeks before I was set to move, the school shut down. What school? It was called um, the Atlantic Media Institute. They just shut down. Yeah. I th- they had some like business problems. Yeah, yeah. And um, so they closed. Wow. So I had to call my friend and said, Sorry. you know, like, I'm, I'm not moving. I, ca- I can't go. So then, um, so that was my first... <laughs> like foray and trying to get out of there um get out of there get away from my house (laughs) sorry (laughs) sorry anybody who's like maybe listening to this from Newfoundland um and so then in two I spent like two years really researching and finding schools and applying to them and um I ended up applying to NSCC to the radio and television program and I had to do a interview and I had to send an audition video and I had applied to two other schools as well both in Ontario and but the NSCC program, I was like, OK, these guys are legit. Like they want to see me on video. And uh, I was volunteering at Rogers TV in St. John's at the time. So someone there helped me make a make a video and sent nice. it in. Anyway, so I got accepted to NSCC for 2010. 
And uh, so, yeah, I, I packed up what I had and I left home in my little tiny hatchback car, which was very full of things. <laughs> uh, you can imagine. I was like, whatever I could fit in this car is what I'm taking. Everything else I'll buy when I get there. Mm. And uh, yeah, I got on the ferry and moved to Nova Scotia in 2010. And uh, so I did the radio and television program at NSCC. And in the second, in 2011, the Canada Winter Games happened in Halifax. Oh, yeah, so yeah. TSN actually broadcast from the waterfront campus because on the bottom level of, of the waterfront campus in Dartmouth is the, all the whole back is windows oh. down there. So they had a beautiful view of Halifax Harbor. So they broadcast from there and they used all the students. We got to volunteer for TSN and Bell TV, their community channel which was called Community One, and then TV One was just getting up and running. So they had the um, the rights, I guess, to broadcast all of the sporting events. Oh, nice. So they used uh, a production company here called 45 North, owned by Chuck Calder. And Chuck hired all of the students from the program because he was a graduate of the program from years before, and they had a really good working relationship mm-hmm. uh, between his company and an SCC. And so he hired students to do all the sporting events. So I ended up for a week at a... Um, filming ringette doing camera for a ringette which is a sport i had never seen before it's the one where they have a um uh like a rubber ring and they have a stick but there's no blade on the stick so they have to sort of stab the ring and they shoot it around kind of like hockey but (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's a hockey hybrid but it was it was crazy it was intense um so from and then they also had these concerts going on at grand parade so you know, we worked during school and we got a lot of volunteer opportunities. What did you do there exactly? Uh, it, so in the first year of that program, you kind of did everything. So you did radio reporting, news writing, uh, a radio show. We did journalism. We did TV production. And then in the second year, you specialized in either broadcast journalism, television production, or radio. Mm-hmm. So I struggled a lot because I really thought I was going to do broadcast journalism. But then when I got into TV production and doing some of the technical things and, you know, directing, floor directing, camera operator, I really loved that. And I was good at it. Mm -hmm. And um, so I struggled a lot. And actually between the in the summertime, between the two years of the program, you had to declare your declare your major so i went back and forth so during the summer i would email the teachers and say okay no i'm gonna do tv production and i say <laughs> no i thought about it some more i'm gonna go back to broadcast journalism and then on the on the first day of the second year you know everybody's in the room all the students and the second years have to say their name and what their major is and people drum rolled because nobody knew what i was going to do i was so torn between you know, behind the camera, in front of the camera, whatever. Mm. Um, but I did end up um, majoring in television production. So we got to do, oh, I did a live telethon. They were, there was a telethon at Christmas that they did and I directed the whole thing. Mm. I produced and I ended up producing that as well. It's just so much work, but it was incredible. Very hands-on. I love that program. I, I give it a lot of credit and it was just a really good, it was a really good time. And then a funny story to circle back to when I was in high school and my marks were really bad and my mother's like, oh yeah, you knew where all the parties were and what all the gossip was, but you know, you barely scrape by. So in the, uh, for this, uh, for at NSCC, they give out awards or whatever. And one of the awards is highest academic achievement. And I got that. (laughs) 
And when they sent me the email to tell me, I wrote back and said, who nominated me for this? And they said, Terry Lynn, like, it's it's an academic achievement. You got it with your marks. I'm like, yeah. oh, my God. How did that happen? <laughs> and when I called my mom, she laughed out loud. Yeah. In a very supportive way. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, But it was very ironic. So it's, it's I, I, you know, and I think about that now a lot, too, where, again, when I was in high school and they didn't encourage kids to go if you were interested in the arts it was like well too bad that's your hobby you can't do that for a living you need to take this math class or mm. this you need to pass this many science courses and then you know when you get in college and like how we've changed our you know how we look at education now and about people's careers and what you can do for a living mm -hmm. you know so it's it's funny that 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 kind of came around um Anyway, yeah. I feel like I'm just going on and on and no, on, but yeah, no, no, it, all, no. it all it all accumulates to a full story about my life. Um, so when I graduated, Bell Community One was getting their community channel up and running, and because Chuck Calder at 45 North had done that sports during Canada Winter Games, they contacted him and said, "We want you to do a show with us." Oh wow! And he contacted me and said hey, we're going to do this show. I've got these two jobs, you know, which, what, you know, do you want one? What do you want to do? So he had an, a camera operator, an editor, and then he had a producer reporter job. So I took the, rep mm. the rep producer reporter job. And then again, all of the, all of my conflict on, do I want to be in front of the camera, behind the camera? I could do both. So I ended up with a job that I was producing and, you know, sometimes ended up taking a camera out and doing some of that behind, you know, technical behind the scenes work. But then I was also on camera. And um, so, what yeah. Was so from, Did you have a title for that show? That was called Atlantic Journal. Mm. So it was a magazine style show. And we covered all four Atlantic provinces. So we were getting stories Holy out. Holy shit, so everywhere. Yeah. So huh. we had, uh, you know. That's a lot of traveling, though. It, well, it was and it wasn't. So we had people who would shoot the stories for and us. Then send. And then send the footage okay. back. So I worked with some really great people, um, Troy Marn, Tristram Clark in Newfoundland, and excuse me, Universe and Media and PEI. And we had people just all over New Brunswick who would say, hey, here's this thing going on. Do you want this story? And we would pay them, you know, as stringers, I guess, is the, I don't know if they still use that term, but that's what we used. Uh, but I would often get to go. I'm like, I, I should go and cover this story. So I managed to get to go to Newfoundland a lot because I'm like, I should go and cover this story, but also it's not going to cost you much because I'll just stay at my parents' house. Mm. Like I can stay with my mom or my dad or my aunt or my sister, whoever. So it it worked out really well. And um, we did stories about just good community things. So if there was an organization who was having an event or a new uh, restaurant that opened. We did a lot of stories. I'm a bit of a, I love chocolate. So every time like <laughs> a new chocolate factory opened, I'd be like, hmm, we should do a story on uh, the sweet spot chocolate shop. Oh, the Newfoundland chocolate company is coming to Halifax. We should cover that. But I got to pick all those stories. I do what I want. I had a lot of creative freedom. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I really love that show. And then I ended up hosting that show. So the original host, uh, Stephanie Beaumont, who is CNBC, she was the host and then they gave her her own entertainment show. And um, so she hosted and, and produced her show. And then I hosted and produced Atlantic Journal. Mm -hmm. And we got involved in the film festival because Bell was a sponsorship for the Atlantic Film Festival, Finn. Uh, so for three years, I interviewed all the local filmmakers. Um, in that year, they did the 1K wave. I interviewed all the filmmakers who made a film on $1,000, which I is... I know. I talked to Kumbi and she was one of those people. She was, yeah. 
I met, that's when I met her and Taylor and Nicole Steves was yeah, another yeah, person who had done one. Mate. Yeah. And uh, it, yeah, it was, it was yeah. just great. So I've got to, even though I didn't work in film, I know a lot of the filmmakers because I interviewed them for that and then would see them around the festival. And we did, you know, red carpets and blue carpets and interviewed just a ton of people. It was just, it was great. I yeah. really, really enjoyed that. So I did that for four years and then um, that contracted contract ended and the the community channel took a turn more towards sports and there's some CRTC things involved in there as well because that was again it was 2016 so CRTC was changing some of their regulations about community television mm. and uh, they ended up not really doing if they did any original programming it wasn't much they kind of focused on sports oh. um but yeah that was the greatest time i mean chuck calder at 45 north i kind of credit him for everything that i've done like he mentored me just really easy going smart person to work with you know everybody in this in the city knows who chuck is and they love him and one time i was at sh i was shooting an event outside in february and this guy comes up and says uh so you work for chuck calder and i said yeah he goes, do you want a coffee? <laughs> so he brings me this hot coffee in this freezing cold day. I'm like, okay, great. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good reputation there. So, um, and again, like got a lot of creative freedom and he really, you know, let us do what we wanted to do. Neil Gordon was my, um, we graduated NSCC together and he was the camera operator and editor for, for the majority of that show. Mm. So we, you know, just got to do a lot of fun stuff together and traveled together and we would go to PEI every summer and shoot a bunch of stories and come back. And yeah, it was great. It was a really good, um, that was a really good time. It was really, really lucky that that was my first sort of right out of school, literally hadn't even had our graduation party and I was already working mm. and got that kind of chance to work on that kind of show and, uh, produce that way it was incredible. And uh, anyway, so after the Community One, TV One sort of ended, I um, was kind of lost. I was like, I don't really know what I'm, I'm going to do now. I've never not had a job. So I was really at a loss and I struggle with that. I'm not a, I really like to work. Mm. Um, and again, you know, once I got out of high school, I worked at a retail in retail for eight years straight went to school worked while i was in school did this job for four years and all of a sudden i'm unemployed mm. i was like oh i feel like i'm embarrassed i'm sad but really you know this is a time i could do whatever i want and anyway i was very emotional up and down like i don't how do you feel when you're unemployed it's there's such a stigma about it but really it's your own money like you've paid it in you get it back while you transition um so I think that was about six months where I didn't work. And then through Chuck, I he sent me a job and was like, hey, would you be interested in this? I know the the producer, the line producer for this job, and I can put you in touch. So he did. And uh, a woman named Kathy Grant called me. And it was for the Curse of Oak Island. Oh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm never going to find this thing because... Well... What's what's the thing? Like the, whatever, the, like the thing they keep digging for, right? It's like this treasure. Are they gonna ever find this treasure? Because they've been digging. <laughs> that show is on history forever now. Yeah, it's been seven exactly seven seasons. Holy smokes! Like yeah. I can't we're gonna find the thing. Well, I mean, it's been two hundred and twenty-two years. I think that someone <laughs> has been digging holes on a tiny piece of land in Nova Scotia <laughs> trying to find it. I always say, um, whenever people ask me about that or about the show, I'll say. Well, it depends on your definition of treasure. 
some people are like, we want them to haul up a, a treasure chest full of gold. Yeah. Other people like it could be a map, the Holy Grail, <laughs> the, the um, what was the other one, the jewels of Marie Antoinette, or was, like there's been so many different theories on it. So I'm like, it depends on what you're what you're looking for. For some people, the wood that they've hauled up is sort of a treasure like that's a clue and then they can date it and they can say like it was here when this so it's, it's all very it's all very like when they find the one thing but nobody knows what exactly the so thing how is. long did it how, well when did you start walking on the show so i started may 2017 and i worked until december of that year on on the show like street mm -hmm. and from halifax or from the thing what was that place called anyway it's like kind of close to Lunenburg. Yeah, so it's about twenty minutes from Lunenburg. It's like between Lunenburg and Chester. Mm. Is Martin's Point is the is the community it's in. Um, I didn't commute from the city. We commuted from Lunenburg oh. because so for like me to December, I just stayed in Lunenburg. Yeah, and they have, well, it's history money, so it's fine. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it's it's um it's the number one show on the History Channel. Mm. It's the number one show in America on Tuesday night. Like the last I heard, they had five million. They get five million viewers per episode. And people are obsessed with it, and I I get it, and it's and it's exciting. Like, and I I again grew up in Newfoundland. I didn't know anything about the the history of Oak Island or anything like that. We didn't learn about that in any history class I ever took in school. Mm. Um, so when I got that job, I went, oh yeah, like I don't really know a whole lot. <laughs> I don't really know a whole lot about it. But people were so excited and stoked. My aunt in Newfoundland is a fan of the show, so when I told her. She freaked out. And I was like, okay, what can you tell me about it? Because I, I'm trying to watch it, but like I need I need some backstory here. Um What did you have to do on the show? So I was the segment producer that first season and I kind of did a little bit of everything. So I was doing researching story line storylines that came up or um just anything that they wanted to research to find out more about. I also ended up kind of taking on the um when they were look whenever they found something and they wanted to do some testing to it i would find out what tests needed to be done and who could do it and you know chemistry biology we ended up doing like a lot of some biological testing that year um i know about laser ablation i know a lot of weird things because of that show i'm like i feel like i got like four science degrees because <laughs> I, I know about i know about a lot of things that i would never thought i would ever know about before in my life uh and i also did paperwork which was awesome because everybody who comes to the island and again is standard in television like you sign a non-disclosure agreement you sign an appearance release if you're going to be on camera blah, blah blah so like i met everybody who was coming to the island and so i got a lot of interaction with people who were coming and um you are on a small island for a full day how many day people where... will be on set oh my goodness um there might be like 30 to 40 people depending on who the crew the tv crew and then also the cast. How many cameras would they have running? A lot. Mm. It's a lot. And they do because they have a lot of... A oh my goodness. The one rule. Don't have the microphone. Sorry. <laughs> um, I'm a professional. Um, they they do a lot of GoPros because they're in tight spaces. And because it's a, you never, it's a reality show and you don't know what's going to happen, they have to roll all the time. All the so time. it's a lot of footage. It's a lot of... A lot of hard drives. Yeah. How many yeah. DMTs is there? Like, does each team have its own DMT or one person handles all that data? Uh, yeah, there's someone who's dedicated just for that. 
Yeah. Could you imagine a nerve wracking that would be? Yeah, it's messed yeah, up. Right. You have to know what camera this one came from. And yeah. But if you shit. miss it or you miss a piece of foot, like that job yeah. is too high pressure for me. Yeah. If you yeah. lose a clip, like what happens if the, that one day they bring up the treasure and then you lose it? I couldn't. I couldn't. Yeah, I couldn't. I wouldn't be able Ooh, to do I just, it. Yeah. I can't even. It's like they shoot like if they're shooting all the time. That's a lot of data. It is. Yeah. And it's a it's a big team of people to make it happen and to keep track of all the different things that are going on because there's a lot going on mm. and they have to have a plan in order to, you know, if they're digging in a certain area and there has to be permissions granted by, you know, the government or whomever. And then you've got the film, the production company is, you know, based in LA. Mm. So then you've got an LA team of people with this people, the people who are on the tiny Island all day long and a time difference. So it's a, it's a, it's a, crazy world that it's unlike any other tv show that you could possibly imagine it's not even like itself from one season to the other things change so often but it's like the core people right it's like this family that yeah so it's the two brothers who yeah. own property on the island they read the story of it when they were children in reader's digest and just became like fascinated by this story and oh. years later showed up oh. to the island and and got involved in it yeah Gosh, and they've oh. got partners and there's other historians who are on the show and they bring in a team of people to experts and opinions and people who have theories and yeah it's wild it's <laughs> wild yeah yeah you know i remember like finding out about the show and it's like people and then finding out about people that work on the show and they have the, I guess the good thing about the show is that it shoots for so long. It is a very long, it's a very long season. So that first year I was there, it's usually in May to, it, it's, and it, it's gone longer every year. Again, every year is different from the, from the season before. So I think it was May to November that year. <clears throat> and then I stayed on till December just doing some work. And then the same thing the following year when I went back um, and I was the research producer and it just, it was like, we could keep going we, we should keep going. We can get this one one thing done. But you do. It's it's hard to do anything else. We well, can't really do anything else while you're there because it is dedicated and you have to be dedicated to living in the community. And, you know, some people commute from the city. Uh, there's people who come from L.A. There's people who come from Toronto. There's people who come from other places in the state. So, you know, you do. It's, it's a kind of, I hate to say sacrifice, like sacrifice for your job. But, you know, <laughs> some people are like leaving their kids and coming to Nova Scotia for six or seven months of the year. Mm. And then, you know, it's and it's work, work, work. Yeah. You, you got to do How it. How many uh, days? How many days? No. Hours a day. Yeah. Uh, usually 12. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes less. Weekends sometimes off, though. Sometimes, unless there's something, okay. yeah, something going on. There could be a special shoot, or they can only get somebody to come on this on this weekend because of their schedule. So you're always accommodating that. So you had to be flexible, which is pretty much what working in TV is. And I remember when I was at NSC, NSCC, the first day, Steve Melanson, the television production instructor, was like, "If you want a nine to five Monday to Friday job. You, you just leave now. This is not. This is not the place for you. If you want to work in screen industry, it's just. It's not. That's not the reality of it. So I really took that to heart, and I've never, ever thought it was gonna be that. Um, so there's a reality. There's a reality to it that, you know. Sometimes people come in and they're like, oh, yeah, cool. Like I expect to work twelve hours a day, and other people are like, oh my god, why are we still here? Um, 
but yeah, it is a it is a dedication. You got to. Are you still walking on the? Pro- are you still? No. So, when did you start walking there? So I did season five and season six. So I did 2017 and 2018 on the island, and um, oh my god, it was so much fun. But it was wild. And again, like I learned a whole lot. The crew, you know, they always say like you're part of a family. And it is Mm -hmm. because you eat lunch together. You go home at the end of the day together. You're so entwined in it. You get you want something to happen. Like every time they found something, it was like, oh, my God, this is so exciting. (laughs) Because you want so much for the, you know, for the the cast, um, for what they've been digging for. and, And like people in the even in the community. And the people in Nova Scotia and the viewers of the show, like you want like all the major things and exciting things to happen. You want it for them Mm -hmm. because, you know, you care about them and what they what they want. Like Rick and Marty, like you just want them to have the answer and everything that they've worked for come to. um, I don't know what the word is I'm looking for, but like you want it for them. You Mm -hmm. want them to have the answer that they want. But they don't know what the answer is that they want because no one knows what the treasure is or what they're looking for. So it's it's a strange, it's a strange, bizarre, amazing place to be, and you get caught up in it, totally caught up in it. Why did you leave if the show is still going on though? Um. So in the from my first season to my second season, some of the job aspects changed. So in the second season, I was the research producer. So it was a lot of I was just in the trailer in my office working and I wasn't on set and I wasn't as involved in the storyline uh, things like it just and they didn't need they didn't need someone for that they needed someone to handle all the research things and so when they and they did call me to come back in the in for the next season but it just wasn't really the right career move for me and again you do have to dedicate eight months you know give or take they you know it could be six could be eight who knows but you do have to dedicate all your time to it so there's not really room to work on anything else and I'm not a person who generally I wouldn't wouldn't give why well, wouldn't say yeah I'll come do the show and then leave part way through I would feel bad doing that and also again you get caught up in the excitement and and you just you, you're part of that group and part of the Oak Island family you know you want something to happen so you stay and and work on it but it just wasn't really the right career move for me mm-hmm. I like being on set and being involved in things that are happening. And it just, so yeah, it just wasn't right. But it was tough. It was a tough decision to make. And so what did you leave for? So I was working on um, Spirit Talker. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. With yeah, the, just, it's for APTN, APTN, right? yeah. So Sean Leonard is a Mi'kmaq medium, like a psychic medium. Pause. So mm-hmm. I was, uh, we'll come <laughs> yeah, back to this, yeah, yeah. but I just remembered I was in, uh, I was waiting for, um, I think Tim Hortons or whatever. So I, anyway, I get this alert. Is it, it's cause uh, it's a news report about him, mm-hmm. the spirit talker. And he actually does this like shows, like conferences of some kind. Yep. And like, he has beef with the building. Did you read this? Oh yeah, he, yeah. He has beef with the building. It was. It was like um. He spoke with this lady, and the lady was nice. And then he spoke with a different lady, and the lady was like, "Fuck up." Blah, yeah, blah, blah. yeah. It was a big thing. It's like the, I'm not even. Yeah. Oh, so it's yeah, the same person. It is the same person. Great. Yes. Uh, that wasn't related to the television no, show no, no, part no, no, that we did. No, yeah, 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 no, yeah. I just want to be yeah. sure it's the same person. It is the same person. Because yes. I read, I was like, I, I was either going to ask Stephanie because she was on there. Where she hurt mm. herself. 
Oh my gosh, yes. And then I was also <laughs> going to ask Stephanie Klattenberg and I became Paul, like best yeah. friends. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, so yeah, Spirit yeah. Talker. Yeah. yeah, so um, that was with Telltale Productions, Ed Pyle and uh, Garrett Pond was the producer. And um, I, yeah, like I'd come off um, Oak Island that year and also like funny story about like how big oak island is i went on vacation that year and i went to london ice uh, ireland and iceland so my friend and i are on this glacier tour in iceland we're literally on a glacier we're in a um like a cavern in in the glacier and i've got on a head a, a buff and we have been given a crew gift and it said like oak island crew 2017 or something so i have this buff on and we're in this uh crater and uh, the guy goes, so um, where are you guys from? And my friend Jen said Canada, and I would say Eastern Canada. He goes, yeah, notice you have Oak Island on your scarf there. So um, are you like, do you live on, around Oak Island? <laughs> and I said, yeah, I worked on the show. And his wife is standing next to me. And she mutters, oh, for fuck's sakes. And this guy is like, oh, my God, I'm a huge fan of the show. <laughs> and he's he's this guy from he him and his wife lived in New York and they mm. were on Iceland in vaca- on vacation and are on the same glacier tour that we're on. And we're having a conversation about Oak Island yeah. in a crater on a glacier in Iceland. <laughs> yeah, I was like, this is probably the most random place I've ever talked about Oak Island. Yeah. Um, but his eyes, like his face was so excited. Um, anyway, so I so that was my vacation after Oak Island there. Uh, so I was uh, Ed contacted me because uh, Telltale is the service producer for Oak Island. So I knew Ed and uh, like brought me in to talk about uh, production coordinator for Spirit Talker. So I started working on that in February. And how long was that one for? That we were February until the end of July. Hmm. So we the schedule was. I mean, we sh- we were filming in 13 different indigenous communities for the show. So there was 13 episodes and each one was in a different community. So we traveled a lot for that show, which was incredible because I saw places that I w- have never seen before. What are some of the places you went yeah, to? Yeah. So first we started in, um, we started off in Cape Breton. So we were in Escazoni and then in member two. So we were two weeks in, in Cape Breton on the road and then we would come back for 10 days and then go out again and then we went to con river in newfoundland and corner brook which was the halibu nation uh, which covers a a large part of of newfoundland but that was where we were based from and um so stephanie klamberg had directed those first four episodes and then she was leaving to go do night blooms and uh yeah she did have that that uh slip and fall when we were in Corner Brook and oh my god we ended up at the emergency room and then she got crutches and then she got a cane which was like she's like look she just looked amazing with a cane I was like no, I've never seen anyone like pull off a cane no one pulls off a cane like it's Stephanie Glattenberg um but again it was just a small it was a small crew of us on the road like eight or eight people I think we were and you're in a hotel so again we got to we were hanging out all the time yeah um and we went to Oh my goodness! I don't want to forget any of the places we went, but we did a three-week road trip to New Brunswick. We were in Listaguch, which is in on the Quebec side uh, of Campbellton, New Brunswick, um, and we did various places in in Nova Scotia too. It was 13, 13 different shows. So Sean did a live audience show, and um, which was always really. It was that was my my favorite one of my favorite parts. I had a lot of favorite parts of the show, but that would get like really emotional because 
you know, there's so much trauma and sadness in indigenous communities and so much history mm. that, you know, you think you know about it because you see the news or whatever, but you really have no idea. Um, so that was really, that was really emotional and to be a part of, but watching him do this work was incredible. Mm. And I, I'm not a, I was like, I don't know if I'm a skeptic or not. Like I'm pretty, I'm pretty open-minded person. And I mean, there's so much crap about psychics and, you know, they plant producers in the audience and you find out information. Like, I don't have time to be planted in an audience. <laughs> like, we're only like six of us making the show. Like, I don't have time to talk to people and find out information and feed it back. Like, you know, that, that, because a lot of people did ask me that too. Mm. Um, but I certainly didn't do that. That was not how the show ran. So he would do a live show. And then we would do follow up, you know, people would pick to do a follow up one on one reading with him. Mm -hmm. And then we would do a community tour and community day was everybody's favorite day because we would get to go out into these communities and meet people and have a cultural experience with them. And so we, you know, there was medicine walks and jingle dances and drum circles and just, you know, uh, there's a lady in... How many comrades did he have on that show? Two. Okay. And then GoPros. Yeah. Uh, so Jeff Wheaton was the DOP. Gareth Roberts was the camera as well. Paul McCurdy did an episode. Just, yeah. So I got to work with, like, really super talented people. And the show was beautiful. A lot of drone footage. We did this... We were in Newfoundland. And uh, Paul Beijan was with us there, too. And they... It was... Uh, April in Newfoundland, so it was still a lot of ice. Uh, there was a snowstorm one night. We were driving back from the community day on the highway, like, oh my God, so much ice on the road. Typical Newfoundland. Uh, but the, all the ice pans were in Rocky Harbor, so we got these incredible drone footage. And then an eagle came over the ice pans. Like, it was it was magical. Mm. Um, really great experience. Really eye-opening and cultural and just, yeah, it was awesome. That was a really, that was a really good time. And it just aired uh, last week was the first the premiere of the show. They started with the Newfoundland episodes and Sean's family was from Newfoundland. So that was really great. We got to meet, he had just, he was meeting some cousins for the first time and we got to meet them as well. So it was a really interesting experience. Wow. It was really cool. Okay. So what are you, um, and what are you working on now? Um, currently, so after Spirit Talker, I did a show called The Big Downsize, which there's a woman, Jane Veltoven, and she's a professional organizer and she helps people who are downsizing from a large space to a small space, mm. which was also really, a really cool thing to work on uh jen adcock was the director and she was amazing i was like i want to work on everything that jennifer adcock works on um so that and that wrapped up at the end of november and right now i'm just i am editing uh, a video that i shot in the summer of a friend's birthday party so i'm working with him to kind of make that come together and uh i just i'm not really I'm not a writer. I haven't, I, I've always done factual TV and not the fiction world and it's never been a thing to write. But I had this idea. I actually had it in a, in a dream. I dreamt the idea for a script. I was like, and, and so what? Is, it, is it like a short? Or yeah, feature? like I'm thinking it'll be a short, okay. short. So I'm going to start, I have a lot of ideas around it and I keep like things keep popping in my head. So, and I don't know how to start with writing. How do people start writing? Do you start writing a script? Do you just write the characters? Do you just randomly blurt out all the ideas you have? <laughs> I don't know. Do you have tips for like someone to write who's never so, written before? So you know what my tip, and actually I learned this one from Stephanie Kleinberg. Have your beginning and your end, then you can fill in the middle. Mm. So if you know what your ending is, then you're fine. Oh, I do. Oh, then you're oh, fine. Great. 
So I'm just going to... The, yeah, the like, next thing I'm going to do is just whip this strip together and then get ready to short. Oh, so basically, short. you're like, this is what is going to happen to this person at the end. And this is this person. What happens to them at the beginning? Yeah. And how do they get to that end? Okay. Pretty oh, much. Yeah. I'm just going <laughs> to throw that together this afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much that is... That, that's it. Um, and before... Uh, my thing actually and I still suffer from this is I need to have a title before I start writing anything like I'll, mm. I'll have the idea like I'm like oh so this guy meets this girl and this thing happens but until I have a title I can't write it and right. I'm I'm working on it to just start writing before I have to I can't yeah I can't oh that's a good yeah <laughs> so so okay. it, it works for different for some people differently but kind of like con- the consensus is if you know what your ending is you're fine yeah so do you have a when you're writing do you kind of keep that same template we'll say or is it different every time oh like with my uh what template like do you do so you say you need to have your title so do you come up with the title and then you <laughs> say okay now i'm gonna write these characters now i'm gonna write the dialogue now i'm gonna write this so it's like this for me once i have the title i'm done i'm, I'm not done <laughs> but like once so it's like once i know what is how the end what the ending is but once i have the title i'm fine yeah. and then i don't have time for anything i just write this thing okay until it's done but like um I guess usually, you know, we films, you try to, you have characters, but there is a major character. Mm-hmm. So I'll try and find out what this, what is dry, the driving force for this person. And I try to leave in that person's head. Okay. And then that's where the dialogue comes from. The rest, I just make it up. Okay. But then, but then it also <laughs> helps to have, that I have friends that are, I'll, yeah. that read my shit. Yeah. Because they help me make it a lot better. <laughs> so, yeah. like, everything I make, by the time I go to shoot it, I've written it, like, I don't know, 40 times oh or something. Okay. okay. <laughs> so, but you, yeah. but you are Stephanie. So, like, uh, yeah, like you true. know, because I did Stephanie Clamber. Yeah, totally. I'll talk to Stephanie. Um, and Melanie Wood is another person. Exactly. She, yeah. And I have talked to her about the idea, but I haven't really progressed on it because I'm like, I don't know how to write. How do I write? I bought a notebook. <laughs> that was my first time. I bought a notebook and I was like, this notebook inspires me. And it has some like quote about creating art or something on the beginning. I'm like, oh, yeah. this, will, this will be great. <laughs> this will make everything better now that I have the proper notebook. And uh, so far, everything is still in my head. Yeah. Well, one thing, another approach some people use is to write an outline, and which is basically the entire story no dialogue just mm. this is the story this person woke up in bed met this person this thing happened then they died okay kind of writes it out and then there are people that swear by oh beat sheets so basically they have 40 important things that happen this person gets born that's one and oh my then God. two and then they have this 40 stuff and it's like i think 10 for like act one, 20 for act two, then 10 for the final act. Wow. I, I, don't, I don't think know. I'm going to get 40 pages. <laughs> no, yeah. no, 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 yeah. no. So, so it's like little cards, right? Oh, okay. Little cards. Okay. But for that a I short story, I'd say, honestly, you know, you don't have to sweat it, really. Yeah. If you know you're ending, you're fine. Yeah. And I, it's funny because um, we've talked so much about Stephanie Clattenberg. She'll love it. Um, <laughs> Uh, I did listen to her podcast with you and she said about how so many people like, oh, yeah, I could write a script. Oh, I could do that. But they don't just do it. And because they think it has to be perfect. And that's where I'm at, too. I'm 
I'm like, okay, I need to know exactly how to do it and make it at the end so it's perfect instead of just, mm. again, blurting a bunch of crap out mm. and then have someone look at it and then finesse it a little bit. But I'm such, maybe I'm a, I don't feel like I'm a perfectionist, but I think I'm kind of a perfectionist about that. <laughs> and I care a lot about um, my reputation and doing things perfectly. Like I want everything to be perfect. But this is something you've never done before. And I've never done so, it before. So you're allowed yeah. to mess up. I know. But and I- you, you know what? What I've learned, especially with people like you, like that put so much pressure on yourself. So much pressure. Yeah. You always end up doing great and you're like, why did I even bother yeah. Yeah. putting all that pressure on myself? Yeah. So just go ahead. Honestly, just write yeah. it and send it to someone to yeah. look at. Yeah. I'll, I'll read it. Okay. You can send it to me. Heard it here first. Yeah. <laughs> no, the record. No, really. Yeah. But, and, and the thing, I think the thing about me is, um, one thing I've learned, like, can, Canadians are super nice. Yeah. But, but, so, most people are like, oh yeah, it's great, right? I try to not send my stuff to those people. I send it to people like, oh yeah, it's a great story, but this is crap. No, yeah. Well, they won't yeah. say this is crap, but like, this doesn't make Change sense this. because yeah. this, so I, I'm lucky that I have at least two or three people that I feel comfortable doing that. Constructive. Um, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't understand why people feel bad when someone says something they did is not good enough. Because that thing is not defining you. It's just something yeah. you did. It's like, okay, that's not me. It's like, I wrote it. But yeah, and, and besides... It makes the story better. Like, I remember my film, Everyone Likes Drowned All Over Us. When I, like, I still have the very first script I wrote on that thing. And then the the, the script I made, yeah. and it's so different. It's, right. it's like, it's laughingly different. Like, uh, you if you if, if I wrote that, and if you read the first one and the second one, you'd be like, no, these are two mm-hmm. different people that wrote it. It's not even and, the same. Exactly. Yeah. So, but you have to write that first one. Yeah. And then just develop it and, and work it. And again, find people who are not going to say, oh, yeah, it's great. Everything. <sighs> so I get that a lot where, because like right now I'm not working. And so there's a pitch for my pitch, pitch to myself. I'm not working. Hey, um, <laughs> I could do a lot of things. Um, and and everyone who they're like, oh, well, it'll work out. Yes, you'll find something. It'll be fine. You'll you'll get something. It'll work out. And I'm like, but what if it doesn't work out? Mm. And that's the other part of me. And I think that comes with this whole make it perfect so it's right the first time and everybody thinks it's good. Because sometimes it's just got to prepare yourself. Maybe I won't. Maybe I won't get a job in the next two weeks. Maybe it'll be another two months. Maybe everything won't work out. Mm. So that's also where the pressure comes from that I put on myself because, you know, I don't have anybody to fall back on. Like all the single ladies over here, you got to like hustle and make it work and just maybe it won't be okay and Mm -hmm. have a backup plan and make sure it's good because you have to pitch it. And if it's not good, no one's going to hire you and you're not going to get it and blah, blah, blah. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm trying to make it perfect so that it's. But the other thing, I mean, apart from this story, which you should write it all the way, is like you have all these experience with factual stuff. Are you ever going to like produce your own actual show? Yes. Yeah. So I do have a I've had an idea for years and years of this food show that I want to do. I'm obsessed with food TV. Mm. Um, And again, when I did Atlantic Journal, there was so many food stories because I was like, I knew what I like. (laughs) Um, And uh, one year when there was a couple, actually, there was a bunch of uh, Atlantic Canadian chefs who were going to be on Top Chef Canada. We interviewed all of them. Lauren Marshall was one of them. She owns um, real fake meats here on Cottage Industry. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have this food show that I've been in, that's been in my head, and and I it was I was working with Bell on making that show happen. I had pitched it and they had accepted it, but then their channel channel changed or whatever. So I've just been sitting on it, and 
I, I just, and again, I need to just write a thing and have a pitch ready to go, but I'm so concerned about it being perfect when I go to pitch it. And so I don't fail. Like failure is my biggest fear in life. Let me give you a tip. Okay. Excellent. Whatever you make, as long as you're not the person that owns the money, they're going to change it. Yeah. It doesn't like, even if it's perfect to the T, they'll be like, yeah, that person should be like have straight hair or something. Like, I think, you know, it's just a way of them saying we put our money there. Like, you know, so whatever you do, you're not going to actually make that. Yeah. You're going to change it in some way. So, you know, it's, if, 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 if it feels good enough for like, just imagine if you, have this speech deck and then you go to the um and then you turn on a TV show and you're watching that. Do you like it or not? If you like it, then go and pitch yeah. that. It, it, and if they like it, they'll change it in some way. Like I remember I had I had an idea and I was like, it's perfect and stuff, it's gonna do this. And then I pitched <laughs> it and they liked the idea, but they changed it. Yeah. Okay. Will you guys give me money to make it? Yeah, sure. And then I got the money to make it. And, like, I still made 80 to 90% of what I wanted. And I gave them the 10% of, like, what they said. Yeah. So just go ahead and, well, you have to think to work on now. Good luck. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And also maybe relinquish a little of that. You have to be open to other people's ideas and, like, changing things and maybe relinquishing some control. (laughs) That might be one way to put it. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, okay, okay. I'm gonna end it with this, right? Okay. Um, so, so now with all these experiences you've had and plans moving forward, what is something that you wish? Uh, well, okay, no, I'm, I'm not gonna add that. Okay, one. <laughs> that one is t- t- too long. Well, but like, okay, so what advice would you give to someone that just wants to come into making factual or just producing in general? Uh, I think you need to find a person who you feel comfortable to talk to about what you want to do um, and what you being aware of being aware of what you want to do, talking to someone that you feel comfortable really saying what it is you want to do. Cause a lot of times we're like afraid to say what we want, mm-hmm. you know, like I want to host TV. Like I loved hosting. Um, and for a long time I, I wouldn't say that. I'd be like, Oh yeah, I'll just do whatever, but like know what you want. Um, find someone you're comfortable with talking uh, you know about what you expressing what you really want mm-hmm. and then they'll help you find the people to get you there so if you don't want to go to school though i do highly recommend doing some sort of program um you know to immerse yourself and find a place where you can go and like hang out on a set or you know experience it like know what you're getting know what you're getting into mm-hmm. would be um some of us, are, God, I feel like I have so much advice to give. Um, <laughs> but yeah, there's not like, there's not, there's not one thing, but you really need to know what you're doing because again, you could end up on a tiny island for eight months of the year working 12 hours a day away from your real life. Um, so, you know, the, really knowing the realistics of the industry is really important as well. It's not a, I did have, we did have an editor one time and a camera operator who's like, I don't understand why we're going out after 6 p.m. to shoot this story. I'm like, well, because that other person has a job and we're at their mercy. Like, that's just how it works. So that and that was one thing that school got me, like the realities of how the industry kind of works. So, mm. yeah, just being aware of what you're getting yourself into and and talking about it and talking about what you want to do and, and 
getting a real life experience on a set whether it's volunteering at a at Eastlink, I think takes volunteers Rogers TV in St. John's that's where I started volunteering and I was like okay I know I know what this what this is like so just getting that experience and knowing what you're getting into um because it is it's very unique it is unique yeah. but amazing I love it I wouldn't I don't want to work I love TV I want to you know when I if I get into film great like some of it translates but mm-hmm. I do I do love it so no I don't regret or don't like yeah I don't regret anything it's good. It's been great. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Hopefully that somehow sums it up and somebody might have gotten something out of that. I, I don't know. This, like, there's so many things to it that you you don't want anybody to – you don't want to give false hope to anybody. or like, yeah, just go and do it. It's great. No, it's hard work. you gotta, you got to know what you're doing. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. Thank everybody. you. It was great.